We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast presented by NoHalftime.com and Wix.com. It is Tuesday, September 27th, 2016. I'm Jake Lutarski, joined today by Eric Katuri. If you're out there on Twitter, you can follow Eric at ETCAT30. Follow me at JakeSki52. A reminder real quick before we get going, if you happen to be listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher, please take a sec to uh, leave us a nice rating and review. It is very truly appreciated. Eric, how'd your fantasy week go this week? We were kind of talking about this beforehand. I'm all over the place. I was about to go four and one, but then Freeman busted off that 48-yard touchdown run, and I lost by three points. So I was three and two this week. Uh, how did you fare? Well, two two of my matchups were actually decided before the uh, um, before the Monday night game actually started, so I wasn't really worried about them. Uh, the other two were actually contingent, though, upon everything that happened in that game. 
basically Drew Brees, if he went off, which he did, mm-hmm. like it was possible for me to lose a matchup. I was up by like 36 in the stake league. Derek had Derek Van Riper had um, Drew Brees going. Mm-hmm. He sco- ended up scoring 32. So br- barely eked out that one. The other one, let's see, I needed Brandon Cooks to not be outperformed by uh, Muhammad Sanu by 10 points. And, you know, Cut it Cooks, close. Cooks was, I mean, we're going to talk about this shortly, but Cooks, you know, Cooks and Julio Jones basically did nothing in this game on Monday night. Exactly. So, yeah, I was down by one point headed into that matchup. I had Mark Ingram and Cameron Jordan in IDP, and I was going against Devontae Freeman. And uh, it was looking like, okay, Freeman's held out of the end zone, getting all the yards. But uh, so yeah, it, let this go, let's go straight to Monday night football, though, and, and talk about that here. So it, what were your impressions, first off? Well, <laughs> my impressions were... When 77 points are scored, I expect the number one wideouts on both sides to have had stellar games. And, you know, Julio Jones had one catch. Uh, Brandon Cooks had two catches and one rush. Yeah, I mean, it was incredibly disappointing if you were a Julio Jones owner. Like, if you needed 15, 20 points out of Julio Jones going into this matchup, you had to have felt pretty good about it. This over-under was 53.5, and and that was crushed early in the third quarter. It was a high, high high-scoring affair. And imagine if you were only needed, say, four or five points out of Julio. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can do that in one catch. And Yeah, you wouldn't even watch the game. You <laughs> flick on the debate to watch some shenanigans and, and, and give up on Monday Night Football here. But, right. uh, but yeah, very disappointing from the wideouts here. Let's uh, kind of recap things, starting from the Falcons' side. Atlanta won that game 45-32 to 32 here. And the big story is the rushing attack here. Devontae Freeman, 14 carries, 152 yards, also had five catches for 55 yards and a receiving touchdown. But all the scoring was done on the end of 10. Evan Coleman, who had 12 carries for 42 yards, scored three touchdowns on the ground, also was the team's second leading receiver with three catches for 47 yards, caught all three of his targets here. I mean, this seems like both of these guys are going to be very productive from a fantasy standpoint, and it only helps when you have a very porous New Orleans defense on the other side. Yeah, and I I like the two-headed approach, too, because that just means that these guys are probably going to stay healthy or, or as healthy as possible throughout mm-hmm. the year um, and both be viable backs exactly. as, as a result. If one guy's health situation were to change, I think the other back could very well be the number one scorer in all of fantasy, at least oh, the number one running man. back. Yeah, and that was that, Devontae Freeman last year. He was number one without Coleman. And, I, and now at least this put me at ease as I'm not too worried about Devontae Freeman because he was tearing off big rushes, averaged 10.9 yards per carry in this one. Yeah, and Tevin Coleman is finally running behind a good line. You know, he was injured last year, but at Indiana, he was running behind one of the worst offensive lines in the in NCAA and still ran for nearly 2,000 yards, I believe, as a, mm-hmm. in his last year there. Yeah, exactly. So he's got the skill, got the pedigree to do it, and he's finally putting it all together this year. Maybe to the slight disappointment of Freeman owners, but really both backs are going to be productive here. Uh, we talked about uh, the, the Falcons side here. Let's go to the Saints side. Drew Brees actually outperformed Matt Ryan from a statistical standpoint. Well, depends how you look at statistical standpoint. His rating was less, but he had more fantasy points. He was 36 through for 54 through 54 passes here, uh, 376 yards, seven yards per attempt, three touchdowns. One interception was sacked twice here. Um, Overall, Drew Brees had a good game, but the real big thing is how the targets were distributed here. Cooks only targeted eight times, two catches for 13 yards. The leading receiver on the day was uh, Colby Fleener. We saw Colby Fleener appearance, seven catches for 109 yards on 11 targets here. Also found the end zone here. Can the Colby Fleener owners stop worrying? I don't think so. I think you need to see uh, this happen over multiple weeks to actually be confident that, you know, he is viable in this offense. But, I I mean, it's finally good to see him uh, 
I guess, get a little comfort in the offense. We know that he was having trouble trouble uh, learning the playbook uh, throughout the offseason and into the preseason as well. So, um, exactly. A Sean yeah. Payton playbook, not always the easiest to learn, I can <laughs> right. imagine. Yeah, but, you know, Ben Watson got it pretty quickly. So yeah, mm-hmm. it, it is good to see that it's yeah. finally, like, clicking for them. Yeah, but we also need to keep in mind that there was no Willie Sneed in this game. He was sure. uh, he was banged up. He was out for the contest. So one would assume that Brandon Cooks would have the huge day, but that was not the case. It was Colby Fleener getting more looks. He tied with Michael Thomas for the team lead. Uh, 11 targets. Thomas caught seven passes for 71 yards and a touchdown. Brandon Coleman also chipped in seven for 78. Does this mean that Brandon Cooks needs Willie Sneed to be successful? I, I, I don't know. I mean, this was just I, I, that's just one of these situations where you look at this box score and you have no idea what the hell just happened. I mean, I, it's brand, I don't know what, what the deal with Brandon Cooks was. He got eight targets, which was, you know, tied for third on the team I suppose but he just wasn't able to make a lot of it maybe Atlanta just decided okay we're going to shut down Cooks and make one of these other pass catchers beat us and through garbage time they all racked up stats but they obviously didn't beat them so uh there's that to go by yeah don't uh I mean are you going out of your way to uh I guess pick up Michael Thomas no not necessarily I mean especially with Snead likely coming back yeah I mean when Snead comes back those guys will both take a hit in value and I mean maybe there'll be a game where you know they face a bad defense you know they're going to face Tampa Bay who struggled so far to uh, contain opposing offenses they're going to face Atlanta again on the road I mean maybe there's a game where there's short-term viability when bye weeks hit but for now uh, probably staying away from those options because Snead coming back will kind of erase that production the other thing in this game Mark Ingram was productive uh, for the first time really this season for fantasy owners. 15 carries for 77 yards, 5.1 yards per carry. Scored a touchdown on a pass. He caught four of his six targets for 30 yards and a touchdown. The nice thing for fantasy owners, which I'm pretty reassured about, is the fact that uh, he was in the game receiving, I mean, 15 of the 23 carries went to Ingram, and he's being used as the third down back. He is the every down back in a high-powered offense. I wouldn't be worried about Mark Ingram in any way, shape, or form just yet. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Traveris Cadet is not really going to cut into that uh, pass-catching role. I mean, former Packer great and legend John Kuhn did find the end zone in this one. Uh, a three-yard touchdown run for him. Uh, of course, it would have been nice if that had gone to Ingram, but... You know, hey, I can't, I can't knock, uh, knock them for going to Coon a little bit. The big yeah. man running between the tackles here. Let's jump into our waiver wire fab preview. This is the biggest part of the podcast. Probably making this podcast one of the most important ones you listen to all week. Uh, just a final reminder: all fab recommendations. These are dollar recommendations for your bids. They're going to be based on a twelve-team standard format with a one hundred-dollar budget. Percent owned figures. We took those at about noon Central Time, one o'clock Eastern on Tuesday. So, uh, so the first come, first serve. Lead Leagues may have affected that a little bit, and of course, these are subject to change. Of course, as waivers pass tonight, but we'll get yeah. you started here. Uh, not a whole lot to talk about in the quarterback department. I think Carson Wentz remains the top option. We talked about him the last two weeks of this podcast, so we're not really going to rehash that discussion. He should probably be owned and definitely go after him before any of these other guys. But the big statistical guy, and it looks like week three's leading fantasy quarterback uh, prior to Monday night, and neither of those Monday night guys outperformed him, was Trevor Simeon of the Denver Broncos. Uh, he's only owned at 6% Yahoo, 5% ESPN. He was 23 for 35 with 312 yards and four touchdowns against the Bengals on Sunday. The Bengals actually have a pretty decent pass defense here. I mean, Trevor Simeon worth picking up as your second quarterback? Um, yeah, I, I mean, especially with the receiving options that he has at his disposal, mm-hmm. Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. Um, and 
I, I, just, I just feel like this is still a little fluky because mm-hmm. a lot of these yards that he's racking up are actually, you know, the the receiving or the receivers actually making plays yards after catch. It's not exactly him going downfield, though he did uh, actually take some shots downfield for the first time this season. I think mm-hmm. he took, yeah. you know, three or four, uh, you know, pretty deep shots. Maybe starting to let him loose. Here are the yeah. situations in which I would pick up Trevor Simeon. Number one, I'm in the two-quarterback league. Of course, he's probably already owned it in a two-quarterback league. Number two, I'm facing the fantasy owner who has Aaron Rodgers this upcoming week, week four, and he didn't happen to get himself another quarterback. So essentially I'm picking up Simeon to block someone else from getting a viable quarterback. And of course, Wentz would be my first choice to pick up there because you got to play that strategy game on the waiver wire a little bit. Of course, the week four buys, uh, well, actually Wentz won't play into that because the week four buys are Green Bay and Philadelphia. So uh, no Carson Wentz for week four. So if you are a Rodgers owner, going to have to look elsewhere for your quarterback. But yeah, so Simeon is someone Maybe, yeah, you pick up if you're facing the Rodgers owner or if you're in a two-quarterback format or if you're sitting with a Ryan Fitzpatrick as your QB2 and need mm-hmm. and need someone that's a slight upgrade. I wouldn't necessarily use a waiver priority or fab money on it. I'd wait till waiver's clear and then and then do this afterwards. But there, there are a couple unique situations in when I'd go after a guy like Simeon. Yeah, and uh, I mean... Yeah, I'm totally with you there. Uh, what, I mean, what do you think about uh, Russell Wilson's replacement, though, uh, Trevon Boykin? I mean, it, it, what does everybody? I mean, everybody but Christine Michael takes a hit in this offense now, correct? If Russell Wilson is in fact like mm-hmm. not available Sunday, yeah, I would say so. I think Jimmy Graham gets a knock. I think Doug Baldwin gets a slight knock, but Doug Baldwin, over the course of his whole career, hasn't really worked with much in terms of quarterbacks, from what I can remember. Uh, but yeah, so Trevon Boykin would be the backup in this case. He would be someone worth maybe a pickup in a two quarterback format here. I- but I think when it comes to the situation, though, we, mm-hmm. it's really wait and see. Like, just wait until waivers uh, goes through, and exactly. we'll know by Friday if uh, Wilson is going to be questionable or doubtful. Exactly. Uh, but Pete Carroll does expect mm-hmm. uh, Wilson to practice on Wednesday, which is incredible. Yeah, that, it is that crazy. Play. He has a sprained MCL, and if you saw the play, it looked pretty vicious. It was it was yeah. uh, kind of twisted around, just really uncomfortable looking. Sprained MCL, and he was already playing with a sprained ankle, so he's very, very banged up. But he, apparently he's he Pete Carroll I don't know if this is just a ruse or or a mirage but he says uh Russell Wilson's going to suit up so uh just keep an eye on the situation and if he doesn't suit up then it, then they turn to Trevon Boykin I just think it's the uh miracle water that he drinks or whatever it's called you oh know? that's right yeah I remember that yeah the, the it prevents injuries and prevents concussions and all that yeah uh, exactly yeah, I'm not even going to google what the name of that stuff is because i don't yeah. think it's worth the plug I, i'm gonna say that's totally <laughs> false here but but uh yeah just want to keep you guys updated on the two quarterback leagues of course long term looking for someone like carson wentz I, I would if i was a fitzpatrick owner i mean not to overreact too much but fitzpatrick should be dropped for wentz just to improve your roster moving forward here yeah and we'll end quarterbacks on that note but uh, let's head to running backs we thought last week was going to be one of the biggest weeks for running backs but i think last week the theme was quantity. This week, the theme might very well be quality because there are less options available, but the options that are available seem to be a little bit better. Just to refresh, last week we talked about Theo Riddick, Jarek McKinnon, Matt Asiata, Fozzie Whitaker, Cameron Artis Payne, Jay Ajayi, Kenyon Drake, and Kenneth Dixon as an honorable mention. We're not going to rehash all of those. I know McKinnon and Asiata didn't have good days. They were up against a tough Panthers defense. Cameron Artis Payne actually had a better uh, day. He got more carries than Fozzie Whitaker, but Fozzie 
Ozzie Whitaker getting the receptions to make him more viable. Uh, we'll talk about Theo Riddick's compliment, DeAndre Washington as well. But let's start out with Jordan Howard of the Chicago Bears. He's owned in 27% of Yahoo and 16% of ESPN leagues. Jeremy Langford has a sprained ankle. He was the presumed starter, also kind of a well-regarded as the fantasy community as a bust preseason. Uh, we know not very many people had a lot of confidence in Langford hanging on to that job. But So Langford week four status might be up in limbo. And then even when Langford returns, uh, the real thing here is could Jordan Howard take his job over full-time? Yeah, I was kind of surprised uh, Jordan Howard was being u- utilized so much in uh, you know Sunday night's game. But then, you know, I, I don't I don't think they reported the injury right away. So you're kind of like, uh, is he been usurped in the pecking order here uh, when it comes to running backs? But Yeah, it could have looked like he just got, got out of the game and Howard yeah. was the backup. Because Kadeem Carey, the general number two on the depth chart, he's dealing with a hamstring injury. And we all know yeah. how much those can linger over the course of a season. So, yeah, there's a lot going on here in Chicago. Yeah, and did you mention his stat line uh, on Sunday night? Nine carries, 45 yards. He also had four catches mm-hmm. on six targets for 47 yards. So he's... Uh, he's a viable threat in both yeah. uh, you know realms, you know, yeah, pass exactly. catching and rushing. Well, the thing is, is the Bears are bad. Let's get mm-hmm. that out of the way here. And they're going to be playing from behind a lot this year. So yeah. you want to see, if you're going to get their running back, you want to at least see a running back that can catch passes out of the backfield. Yeah, and I can totally see Hoyer just checking down, you know, mm-hmm. Every time he's scrambling around, running for his life. Yeah, I mean, Zach, Zach Miller seems to be uh, Hoyer's favorite target so far, but in a similar sense, there could be a lot of checkdowns for Howard. And Howard seems to have the skill set. He's very good in the open field here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so let's, I mean, the Bears have a week four matchup at home against Detroit. So, I mean, if there's ever going to be a game that they can win, during the course of this year, it might as well be week four. I mean, they, they've had I mean, the Detroit Lions are nothing to write home about either. There, they, they were thoroughly dominated by Aaron Rodgers in the first half of Sunday's game here. But uh, I mean, so Howard has a good matchup this week, especially with Langford out. If he has a huge game, I mean, I think he becomes the number one running back long term, right? Yeah, I mean. They should only be thinking about the future. I think that's been the theme every time mm-hmm. we talk about the Bears. They're going to be horrible. Like, why even why even play for this year? It doesn't matter. Like, go for the top pick mm-hmm. and, you know, develop your young talent this season. Yeah, exactly. So Jordan Howard, just a little quick background on him. Uh, spent his college days at UAB and Indiana. He was a fifth-round pick, number 50 overall. Uh, and, I mean, he's just been solid so far as a receiver in the NFL. I, I, Wait, is that 150 overall? Yeah, 150. Sorry. No, yeah. I thought you said 50. Oh, yeah. No, no number 150 overall. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry if you, if you misheard me there. But, yeah, uh, yeah, he was. So he wasn't a really high draft pick. I mean, he didn't mm-hmm. really have – he didn't show a lot of pass-catching capabilities in college here. But, I mean, he had a pretty good 40 time, four and a half. Uh, the broad jump was excellent. Uh, I mean, wasn't – he's not, not going to be much of a bruising back by any means. But uh, I, I think he's going to be he's, – he's clearly the most skilled back – in the Chicago backfield, and why not let him loose now? Yeah, and he definitely had, like, or showed a lot of elusiveness against Dallas. Granted, Dallas's defense isn't known for having, you know, uh, being great at form tackling, mm-hmm. <laughs> just kind of, like, diving at people or trying yeah. trying to go for the big hit. But, uh, I mean, I could see a lot of the same thing, or a lot of the same things happening against Detroit, as you said. Mm-hmm. So I think we can agree that this is worth, worth probably one of your top waiver priority claims. The other question is, what are we looking at for a fab bid? Now, Kevin Payne mm-hmm. in his weekly uh, waiver wire article for rotowire.com, he suggests a range of 25 to $40 in a 12-team standard format here with a $100 budget. Are you leaning more towards the $40 side or more towards the $25 side? <laughs> I, I 
I mean, you'd you'd really need to have a running back to, I guess, reach that forty threshold. And mm-hmm. I mean, imagine imagine if you've already like, you know, throwing all your money out there already. Like, mm-hmm. I guess I would put maybe a third of my remaining budget out yeah. there, but not, you know, so basically forty dollars. Right, yeah, I, I right guess in the middle. I get. I, I don't know, but. I mean, even $25 is a little much for me, mm-hmm. unless I'm really, really, really like lacking at running back. Yeah, I'm going to take a look at the leagues where I'm really lacking, and I think I might go for about a $27 bid to yeah. try to outbid the guy that goes a dollar above the even $25 number. I'm thinking about a $27 bid for me uh, is if I need him, if I really right. need him, because he is, yeah, he's viable for the rest of the season, and he's someone that should, I mean, he will definitely be owned. So make sure to check your waiver wire, at least throw a, $10 bid in there to keep other owners honest, even if you don't need a running back, because you always sure. should be looking to improve your roster here. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, Jordan Howard, I think we can agree that he is the top waiver wire candidate this week, just because of the long-term potential is going to be different than the other guys that we talk about. Yes. Someone that we're looking at more in the short term is, uh, here's a name for you, Orleans Darqua of the New York Football Giants here. Uh, he's only owned in 3% of Yahoo and 5% of ESPN leagues, and uh, he's just a product of a lot of injuries going on around him Rashad Jennings has a thumb injury he might return in week four though so you might want to double check that and then Shane Vereen tore a tricep muscle he's going to be placed on short-term IR in in relief of Vereen he carried the ball 10 times for 53 yards and a score here Uh, so how do you see this uh, Giants backfield shaping out and are there any other names that we should be watching out for in New York well, yeah, with with Vereen out uh, and Jennings potentially not able to play this weekend again, mm-hmm. this coming weekend again with the thumb injury, um, Darkwa seems like he would be the um, most viable candidate. But uh, and Bobby Rainey will be the pass catching back no matter what with Vereen out. But I, I do like Paul Perkins a lot. He's a rookie. He has no touches yet in his career. He was active for the first time in his career this past Sunday, but didn't get any work at all. I don't even think he got a snap. But anyway, at UCLA, he averaged 5.6 yards per carry and 9.2 yards per catch on his 80 receptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in advance of the draft, uh, Pro Football Focus actually, you know, uh, ranks all these guys with a variety of metrics. And Paul Perkins ranked first in terms of elusive rating, and mm-hmm. that's in a running back class with Ezekiel Elliott, you know, at the top going exactly. number four overall. Yeah. So that just tells you everything, uh, or everything you need to know about Perkins. He he will. Pr- be pretty shifty, um, yeah. and I hope he does get the work and shows off his wares. I, I mean, I was talking this guy up a lot in the off season. If you're doing like best ball format and like we might you know, start to see that. hoping you know Rashad Jennings goes down, he's on the wrong side of thirty, you know, and he could potentially be the number one back at some point. Yeah, exactly. So he's someone to look at. See, the deal with Perkins is you're you're banking more on long term potential. I don't know if sure. any of these guys are really going to ha- they they face the Vikings week four. That's a bad matchup for any team, any back. We saw the Vikings give Aaron Rodgers fits. We saw the Vikings give Cam Newton fits, and those are probably the two best fantasy quarterbacks in the game today here. So yeah. the Vikings defense is uh, nobody to joke around with here. So you're not looking at short term potential. Even Orleans Darkwell, those type of guys, Bobby Rainey in a PPR format, those are the guys you'll pick up if. If you need five to ten points this week and then feel like dumping them afterwards, Paul Perkins is the guy you pick up if you don't necessarily need a starter for week four but uh, but need to go ahead and think of someone long-term, someone that might help you in the playoffs in case Rashad Jennings suffers any kind of other injury or setback, which he's been prone to do over his career. And, you know, I mean, Shane Vereen out of the picture. You're looking at Darko and Rainey. Not a lot to... Uh, 
to really write home about. So so Perkins the long term asset, yep. the other guy's probably the short term asset. Yeah, and I mean if I'm in a twelve team league, um my bench would have to be pretty deep to actually, you know, stash him. Mm-hmm. If I'm in fourteen and I have say six bench spots, I might consider one of them for him. But uh it'd probably have to be more like sixteen or dynasty I mean dynasty's probably owned depending on the type of dynasty league you're in yeah. but who knows if you're in a dynasty league and you throw a one dollar bid on perkins he could be your david johnson type keeper yeah for the next year you never know you're right and yeah you're right the last five weeks of the season you could just rip it up mm-hmm. yeah exactly so here's someone that has a, a let's move on to another back eric another uh guy that has a little bit more appeal as far as short-term viability and that's dwayne washington of the detroit lions he's only owned 23 percent of yahoo and 20 percent of espn formats the role of theo riddick hasn't really changed much as we saw in week three it looks like washington's going to be picking up amir abdullah's role including the goal line role and theo riddick is going to kind of stay where he was before as the third down pass catching type back uh because the thing is you look at the box score they each had 10 carries sunday against the packers but Dwayne Washington had 38 yards on those 10 carries, and Riddick only had nine yards. So it's not like Riddick's going to be the every down back between the tackles. I think we sh- we've seen that. I mean, the uh, Lions were facing a historically great run defense on Sunday. Yeah, oh my God. Can <laughs> As I actually, you would like to mention. Yeah, can I just throw this out there? Okay, so the Green Bay Packers, through three games, have allowed a total of 128 yards on the ground, 42.7 yards per game, and 1.8 yards per carry. Nobody else is even under, oh boy, I don't know, two. Or, is there anybody even in the two range? I think 3.2 yards per carry is the next best that I'm seeing here. Yeah, 3.2 yards by the Giants. So the Packers, historically, awesome start to their run defense. So I don't know how much you want to take these box scores into account, but Dwayne Washington might actually be the leading back against green bay i mean mm-hmm. maybe yeldon had a few more yards in week one but 38 yards I mean, oh that's a good we're, point we're having this conversation is the point so <laughs> sure. things are going to turn around for detroit and i think dwayne washington is probably the back to own in a standard format in that league moving forward with amir abdul on the injured reserve yeah and they are they are facing chicago this week as we mentioned mm-hmm. chicago and detroit are facing off chicago just gave up 160 yards from scrimmage to uh, Ezekiel Elliott, 140 total or 140 yards on the ground, mm-hmm. and if um, Dwayne Washington is going to be the primary guy on the ground, um, I mean, I, of course he's going to be splitting carries with Riddick, but Riddick is going to be more the you know change of pace guy. It seems like mm-hmm. so if Dwayne Washington is in fact that first and second down guy, mm-hmm. I mean he could have you know or be the leading rusher at the very least and maybe even hit 100 yards exactly the bears are the third worst run d through three weeks uh allowing 142.7 yards per carry or yards per carry (laughs) impossible yeah yards per game here uh but so yeah actually Dwayne washington might not even be a bad dfs target for this week uh, Mm -hmm. because of the matchup here i'm going to target those bears as much as i can here one guy i want to talk about real quickly you don't need to go into too much depth here because the eagles do have a buy in week four that's wendell smallwood his ownership's under two percent in both yahoo and espn leagues ryan matthews left in the first quarter with an ankle injury it was wendell smallwood who stepped up in relief producing 17 carries for 79 yards and a score so uh you know we're not going to see uh any immediate benefits here because week four by ryan matthews could presumably come back after that but smallwood someone again for those really deep leagues i've cut yeah i've cut him in my 14 and 12 team leagues where i own him but long-term potential in dynasty formats there might be something there yeah i was kind of surprised that uh wendell smallwood actually jumped Kenyon barner in the uh pecking order when it came to snaps with when matthews went down early you know he had ankle stiffness as you mentioned um 
uh, Darren Sproles and Wendell Smallwood ended up splitting the snaps at running back 24 apiece, whereas Barner only had 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and mean, I, I think Barner came into the game when it, it was well out of hand. You exactly. Know, when they had a, like a 24 point lead and it didn't really matter. So I'm, I'm kind of throwing Barner out of that mix as like no, a no, deep I, reserve. I'm totally with you. Yeah. I, I, I'm just like their depth chart lists. Ryan Matthews, Darren Sproles, Kenyon Barner, and then Wendell Smallwood. I mean, he's at the mm-hmm. very bottom right now. Yep. So it was really surprising to see him actually, you know, get those um, uh, reps when the game was not in hand yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's uh, yeah some interesting things to to so, see there. So I mean, w- w- you're you're right. With a bye week, we're probably not going to get any clarification on the step mm-hmm. chart for another week. I'm just if you're making a watch list on RotoWire.com, one of those one of the features we have where you where you can add players to a list and get a email or text notification every time we write an update for them. Wendell Smallwood's one of those players that I'm putting on there just so I can kind of monitor the snap count and see how he's going week to week. I would own him in a dynasty format. He's an intriguing rookie. I took him in maybe one or two MFL 10s just mm-hmm. to see if he can emerge later in the year after you know kind of banking on a Matthews injury there. So yeah. Smallwood's someone to maybe consider uh, you know again someone that probably can let, you can let pass through waivers and pick up afterwards if you're really interested in him. Let's talk about drop candidates though. The one that still comes to mind right away is it time to let thomas rawls go with if he's in fact out a month and christine michael is able to like stake a claim which i think he kind of already has after i would say that's that's safe to say (laughs) um like why would you go back to him maybe maybe if you want to like kind of preserve christine michael for the playoffs you would you know let rawls back in the mix and let him Mm -hmm. you know at least soak up 10, 12 touches a game or something like that. Best case scenario, he comes back to the short end of a committee after a month of getting zero utility out of him. If your league has an IR spot, yeah, go ahead and throw Rawls on there. If they do not, I think it's time to cut bait. I know he was probably a third or fourth round pick for you, but I, you you got to keep improving your roster, and he's not going to do much for you the rest of the way. Yeah, I'm totally with you. All right, so there's, there's the conversation here. It is time to let Thomas Rawls hit the waiver wire. Well, you're staring at your weekly fantasy opponent and thinking to yourself, I would love to challenge just one of his players, not his entire team. But your fantasy sports service doesn't allow you to. Now you can on the all-new No Halftime app. The No Halftime app allows you to create individual challenges using players or teams. For example, you can pit Beckham versus Brown, Cam versus Rogers, or even Ezekiel Elliott versus Todd Gurley. Creating a challenge takes seconds, and accepting challenges is even easier. No Halftime challenges can be private or public and created for the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, PGA and other sports. Visit nohalftime.com for more information and to download the No Halftime app for your iPhone or Android device. Use promo code ROTOFF16 and receive a 100% bonus up to $25. Real money and fantasy supremacy awaits you. No Halftime, where the fantasy sports season never takes a break. Join today and get started. All right, Eric, we're going to move on to the wide receiver portion of our show. We've got a few more names, I think, uh, names that are, have a little bit more appeal than the guys that we went over last week. Just as a refresher, we talked about Marquise Goodwin, who uh, who didn't play, I believe, due to injury. We discussed no, Quincy. Or, he, he did play. He had he one play? catch. Oh, was it Salas that didn't play? Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he had, okay. Marcus Goodwin, one catch. All right. Yeah. So back off. I, I don't know. He wasn't really part of the game plan. Yeah. I think Quincy and who we discussed another week of double digit targets. That's intriguing. Philip Dorsett had a pretty disappointing performance. Uh, he, I thought he would have stepped up in place of Moncrief mm-hmm. not really the case. Uh, and then, you know, we discussed Josh Doxson who's dealing with an injury. I'm not quite Achilles. ready to jump on him yeah. yet. Yeah. Which is a little bit scary for your Achilles injury. Um, he's someone that again, you put on the watch list, maybe look at later in the year. Marquis Lee, 
was more productive than Alan Hearns on Sunday, and Kenny Britt, another very modest performance here. But let's run through some new names to refresh here. Uh, <laughs> I think the top guy that we need to discuss here is Terrell Pryor of the Cleveland Browns. He's still only owned in 25% of Yahoo and 28% of ESPN formats, uh, but he is a triple threat quarterback or receiver or however you want to call it. Yeah, you. So you were helping out with our uh, inactive coverage when on Sunday, mm-hmm. and you know, you we we had assigned you the Browns, and you were watching it very, very closely. Mm-hmm. I don't know the source that you found, yeah. um, but you you were able to find before the game that Terrell Pryor was going to be used under center, and we had no idea before mm-hmm. Sunday that this was possible. Yeah, I see. Just a little background. I used yeah. to be the Browns beat writer, you yeah. know, for the thing, and and uh, I had a Twitter list made up of just a bunch of Brown sources. Not all of them made our official NFL Twitter list. And there was, it was a local radio guy in Cleveland who basically said, Hugh Jackson said, uh, you know, he's going to really let loose his bag of tricks and uh, mm-hmm. have prior line up at quarterback. Cause the only other quarterback really on the roster was Cody Kessler. Yep. Uh, so, Pryor actually attempted five passes in this game and completed three of them. And in addition wait, to that... Wait, are you saying Charlie Whitehurst is in a viable quarterback? Oh, geez, I guess I forgot he's there. I'm sure that's <laughs> no, happened to right. him in the past. It's all right. That's happened in the past. But yeah, I mean, Cody Kessler, he looked rough on the first drive. He took a couple sacks, I believe, and one of those resulted in a fumble. And uh, after that, they're like, okay, we're going to go to Pryor now and see what he can do. And he almost threw a really bad interception, but he also threw some pretty accurate passes. Really, prior some that's only going to line up out of the shotgun. He's comfortable like that with Ohio State here, yep. and um, and it's that. But he can run the ball out of the shotgun. He's a very versatile runner, and he was targeted 14 times and ended up with 144 receiving yards, 35 passing yards, 21 yards rushing. His only touchdown was a touchdown on the ground. Corey Coleman out another three to five weeks with a fractured hand, and we don't have Josh Gordon until week five. So Terrell Pryor is going to be the focal point in this in this Cleveland offense. Now, Cleveland has uh, Washington, I believe, this week. Uh, so, uh, I mean, a matchup, but it's a defense that has given up some points. He might have to contend with Josh Norman a little bit, but it's Terrell Pryor, the top receiver target on the waiver wire this week. Uh, he he might very well be. Uh, you got to love the volume. Cleveland is going to be down in most games they are in the season, meaning they're going to have to go to the air more often than not. I know they do have Cody Kessler under center, which is not exactly inspiring, but if he's getting you know double-digit targets every week and also has this uh, pass catching uh, and uh, rushing viability. Like mm-hmm. he's somebody that you have to consider totally for sure. Yeah, yeah. I believe he was. Uh, I mean, he was scoring thirty fantasy points on some DFS sites because of bonuses and mm-hmm. and all the different yards he was able to produce. So yeah, I would argue week four. I don't know about long term for Pryor because eventually we're going to get Josh Gordon back. But who knows? Maybe that will even help Pryor because they'll have instead of having Andrew Hawkins lining up on the other side, he'll sure. actually have uh, a potential top ten wide receiver. At at least the top 10 talent lining up on the other yeah. side. And that could open things up for Pryor. But Pryor's definitely established himself as the top receiver for week four and probably the number two receiver moving forward. When this offense, if this offense ever were to be at full strength, just imagine an offense with RG3 healthy, Corey Coleman healthy, Josh Gordon, and Terrell Pryor. There's so many things that can be done with that, especially in the dual backs of Crowell and Duke Johnson. But for now, with most of those Gary options. Barnage. Yeah, dude, yeah. I even forgot about the tight end here. He's been kind of forgetful over the first three weeks yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. But, but exactly, Terrell Pryor. Now, let's see what our waiver wire guru Kevin Payne has as far as a bid. 15 to $25 on Terrell Pryor. I think I'm a little bit more bearish than that just because of the pending Josh Gordon return. But he is a very intriguing option, and I think he should be owned in all 12-team formats. 
So, I mean, if that's the recommendation, I will not be getting them because I probably wouldn't consider more than, say, 10 or 11 bucks. Mm-hmm. Consider, or a, it, it just really depends on how much cash I actually have less, left to spend on Fab. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, could, I guess I could consider maybe like an eighth of my budget or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, he's someone, like if you're in a 16-team league, for example, I could put a $21 bid on him and see what happens. Sure. And, uh, yeah, I mean, our, our column advises don't hesitate to go higher if you really like him. Wow. And, okay. And uh, so, I mean, if you really like him, it looks like you're going to have to pay up for him because we're jumping into this market a week too late where his value has skyrocketed. So right. you will have to pay a premium dollar for him, but he could return maybe a top 20 fantasy receiver, especially with all this uh, production across multiple statistical categories. So Trail Pryor should be your top receiving target this week. There's a couple other guys I want to discuss a little bit. I'm going to skip around a little bit on our list here. I'm going to go straight to Cole Beasley, uh, the Dallas Cowboys here. Still available in roughly 15% of the leagues. Gets a matchup at San Francisco week four. Um, I mean, every game this year, five-day catches, 65 to 75 yards, 25 targets. He's pretty much been the favorite uh, target of quarterback Dak Prescott. Yeah, when you're a rookie quarterback, I think you're going to, you know, go to the guy who seems most comfortable and not the more explosive. Uh, So that means he's going toward Beasley rather than uh, Des Bryant at this point. Mm -hmm. And Um, Des Bryant's got a little bit of a health concern going on. Yeah, so he may have had an MRI this week or may not have. Jerry Jones will not like inform the, you know, media whether he did in fact have an MRI. So yeah, not gonna we don't circumcise really... a mosquito over it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we don't we I guess we're not gonna know much about Des Bryant's health until he actually takes the practice field or not on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I, I just think the Cole Beasley is a consistent guy in this passing attack right now. You yeah. know what you're gonna get out of him. He's not going to be flashy or anything like that, but you can probably, if you're in PPR formats, you can assume he's going to get maybe about a dozen points exactly, every yeah. single the, week. It's a 10-12 point floor in PPR formats, and that is valuable uh, yeah, one exactly. way or another, especially with bye weeks right around the corner here. So, yeah, we've, we've mentioned Cole Beasley in the past after a, a start where he was getting looked at a lot. If you own Terrence Williams and Cole Beasley is available, it's a no-brainer. Drop Williams, pick up Beasley. If you own Laquan Treadwell, who is inactive once again, go ahead and cut bait with him. There's no need for a roster spot on Kamar Aiken anymore. Pierre Garçon looks to be uh, behind. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, Vincent Jackson, I think, is almost in drop territory as well here. But let's start with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers receiving core. It looks like Adam Humphreys, who's only owned in 1% of both Yahoo and ESPN formats, has surpassed Vincent Jackson on the depth chart. He had 12 targets Sunday while Jackson had just six. Humphreys produced nine catches for 100 yards on the day here. Is Humphreys the guy that you should be picking up instead of Jackson if you're a Jackson owner? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, at literally the first week of training camp, uh, Coach Dirk Cutter actually named Adam Humphreys the number three wideout uh, mm-hmm. in advance of training camp. It seemed like it was going to be this big competition between like Dante Dye and Adam Humphreys and a few other candidates for that spot. But right away, Adam Humphreys got the yeah. role. We and saw him productive in the preseason, and yeah, then we exactly. thought, "Oh, that's just the preseason." But that seems like it's carrying over to the regular season. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> Tampa Bay's had to throw so much this season that he's actually getting a lot of volume. Mm-hmm. So he's actually incre- Humphreys has increased his target count from five to eight to twelve through three weeks. But Jameis Winston has also thrown 110 passes the last two games, so he's getting he's he's received 20 of those, so rough, roughly roughly uh, 18% of them. Um, I mean that that's a pretty nice volume of what, 
and if he's if this is going to be consistent, mm-hmm. um, it's it's really good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, word of caution: the Buccaneers do host the Denver Broncos in Week Four here. Well, so, um, you know, the utility might be limited for Humphreys this week, and I think you're going to see his ownership hover around 1%, but he's someone that's worth a look in, in your deeper leagues. We want to try to be comprehensive with our waiver wire analysis, and, and we couldn't say we're comprehensive and pass over Adam Humphreys, given what he's done today. I mean, if, he, if he's going to average roughly eight targets per game, um, and at the moment he's averaging eight yards per target, I mean, you're going to get you know, nine to 10 points per week, depending mm-hmm. on the format. Yeah, exactly. So maybe a couple bucks, if anything, I think you might be able to let him pass through waivers and pick him up for nothing and get yes. away with it. I think that's probably the way to go here. Uh, so I mentioned dropping Vincent Jackson for Adam Humphreys. Uh, Pierre Garçon has been very underwhelming this season for the Washington Redskins. So it's forcing us to look at a guy like Jameson Crowder, who's got some availability. He's owned at 17% of Yahoo and 11% of ESPN leagues. Through three weeks, Crowder is tied with Jordan Reed and Deshaun Jackson for the team lead with 24 targets he's tied with Jordan Reed for the most receptions 16 he's tied for third on the team in receiving yards he's got 175 through three weeks and he scored twice that leads all Washington offensive players whether it be Reed receivers running backs anything like that I mean Kirk Cousins I believe he's only thrown two or three touchdown passes so take that into account but he's caught two of them it's safe to say at the very least that he's surpassed Pierre Garçon and is worth owning over Garçon yeah even though he's not you know, past him yet in the depth chart, and who knows if that'll actually happen this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he has probably, he's definitely passed him in, you know, the mind of Kirk Cousins. Um, I mean, this is a guy that's going to be the number one wideout maybe as soon as next year because Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garcon are both free agents after the season. Yeah. So, I mean, they're get like, the Washington Brass is getting to see what they could potentially have mm-hmm. out of their future yeah. number one receiver i still think josh Doxon has the skills to be that number one guy yeah. but until he's healthy i yeah. think it's on crowder and crowder yeah. uh is is worth a pickup i think even worth a buck or two if you need some wide receiver help mostly because this week they have the cleveland browns at home where they're eight point favorites in a game with the over under of 45 and a half so I, I think that's really a matchup to take a look at here yeah and um you know if joe hayden is covering deshaun jackson then maybe crowder gets a lot of targets again so definitely something to yeah. keep a close eye on and with the crowder it's really more about volume than it is anything and he is getting that so far so uh yeah like Uh, definitely go out there i'm right there with you eric need a website why not do it yourself with wix.com no matter what business you're in wix has something for you used by more than 84 million people worldwide wix makes it easy to get your website live today you need to get the word out about your business and it all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer made customizable templates to choose from the drag and drop editor there's no coding needed you don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful you can do it yourself with wix.com Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your business, you're bound to be busy, too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com now to create your website today. The result is stunning. 
Eric, let's move on to tight ends where there's a few intriguing options here. Last week we talked about Dennis Pitta, who had a very modest stat line, didn't get in the end zone, but the targets were still there, so I think he remains a target on the waiver wire. And then, of course, we have Jacob Tammy, who is relatively quiet in the Monday night performance against New Orleans here. I mean, Jacob Tammy, I think, is an okay short-term replacement for your Eiferts and your Ertzes of the world here, but I think it was game flow in a game where the Atlanta Falcons were ahead for most of the game, and that's what I'm going to blame for uh, Tammy's real modest production, only three catches for 28 yards on four targets here. That was just a strange game. Yeah, it was just a strange game overall, <laughs> especially with how the past targets were all distributed here, but I want to talk about two guys really quick here um, that should be owned already, and they should be your top targets. We're going to get into some other targets, but Eric Ebron, if he's not owned in your league he's still got 21 percent availability in yahoo 33 percent availability in espn jim bob cooter like you like you note here eric he, he's he's the man here with this offense i'd say eric ebron's the top target and also zach miller someone who was drafted a lot in chicago he seems to be brian hoyer's favorite target so before any of these guys we talk about go look at zach miller go look at eric ebron just make sure they're claimed in your leagues because i think those are your top two waiver wire targets they're probably going to be available in 10 maybe not so much in 12 team formats so start out with those guys here mm-hmm. i mean you, you got to go there i mean eric ebron is surpassed he's getting more targets in Golden Tate and he's 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 just he has the physical skills to be a top 10 fantasy tight end I believe yeah for sure he's averaging 8.4 yards per target too so Mm -hmm. it's a good number for for tight ends that tend to be used in short yard scenarios here yeah but let's look a little bit deeper here I want to talk about Cameron Brait of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers owned in just two percent of Yahoo and one percent of ESPN formats they recently uh released Austin Safarian Jenkins someone who I was very high on and I think still has some long-term potential but with him being the big play tight end threat Looks like Cameron Brait's the man. He was targeted 10 times in that shootout with St. Louis on Sunday. Ended up with only five catches for 46 yards, but two of them were, were touchdowns. Uh, what do we know about Cameron Brait, and is he addable? So, yeah, Jameis Winston threw 58 times. Ten of them went to Brait. They got to the red zone a number of times, and <laughs> Cameron Brait amazingly had zero red zone targets before this game. Mm-hmm. And do you want to guess how many he had in week three? I mean, probably dang near all of them, right? He, he, so five of his 10 targets came in the red zone. He's looking at, uh, Jameis Winston is looking at Cameron Brait specifically in the red zone right now mm-hmm. um, with Austin Severian Jenkins out of the picture. Maybe he doesn't be totally trust uh, uh, Mike Evans in the red zone. He, exactly. He's more of like the between the 20s guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think yeah. he's good on fade routes, but yeah. uh, I think uh, Cameron Brait is maybe more crafty on like a curl, catching a pass in traffic in the red zone which makes him a very useful option so of those five targets in the red zone three were came inside the 10 two came inside the five so if they're not able to punch it in before that point it seems like braid is getting all the looks right now yeah exactly i think there's a lot to like about braid but let's say the bucks aren't in a shootout we scale back winston's pass attempts to 30 to 35 if those ratios still maintain He's still getting six, seven targets, and one or two of those being in the red zone. So even in a normal game, quote-unquote, air quotes here, guys, you can't see it, but I am doing it. And that could very well happen against uh, the Broncos this weekend. Exactly. I mean, if he's someone that, I mean, the Broncos are obviously going to devote most of their attention to Mike Evans. I'm very concerned. I have more Mike Evans shares than anyone else, and I'm still going to start him because, I mean, it's Mike Evans. But on top of that, uh, I mean, Cameron Brait's third probably the third or fourth option in the offense maybe yeah. Yeah, because you got to imagine I, charles say, sims checks in above him yeah so it's probably evans humphreys 
Sims and then him at the moment. Yeah, I would almost put Sims above Humphreys just because of yeah. the dual threat thing. But right. yeah, we could debate that on, on its own here. <laughs> but yeah, Cameron Braid is is worth a couple bucks on, on the waiver wire, I think, just because he's going to be a viable option. If you're still in Gronk limbo land like me or, or if none of your, if you're an Eifert owner, because Eifert's been ruled out for week four here, they have the short week and they're going to give him some extra rest. Of mm-hmm. course, Zach Ertz, who knows when he's going to be back. Uh, if you're in a pinch like that, I could see... I don't know, maybe a a six to eight dollar bid on Braid, or do you go higher than that? I mean, yeah, we've already talked about the red zone looks ad nauseum. So yeah, I mean, that seems like a good range exactly. uh, if you really want them. Uh, nine bucks. Yeah, waiver wire guru Kevin Payne actually advocates an aggressive ten to fifteen dollars. I think mm-hmm. that's a little bit too much for someone who's probably a tight end two rest of the way out. But at the same time, if you need a tight end, I, I mean, I, I bid six dollars on Jacob Tammy earlier this year because I was desperate. Uh, and I think there it's, are situations yeah. in which Braid is a ten to fifteen dollar player here. Uh, the other guy, I just want to touch on but i'm not too high on ryan griffin i like to follow the targets on this show and the houston texan was targeted a team high 10 times thursday night against new england but as you mentioned he was used pretty limited beforehand yeah the first two weeks he only had four targets total and i think that was kind of like uh, a game flow thing they were just facing you know one of the better defenses in the league and they were down the entire game so they had to throw okay uh, he had to throw to somebody right yeah exactly another name i want to bring up osweiler <laughs> yeah yeah another name i want to bring up is hunter henry who uh, was targeted five times and accumulated 76 yards in relief of antonio gates on sunday uh is he someone that you might want to consider adding in your deeper formats uh yeah for sure uh so per michael gelkin of the san diego union tribune uh gates was not close to playing in week three so I mean, we'll have to wait and see how the practice week uh, unfolds, but mm-hmm. it seems like Gates may may not uh, be available again in week four. Yep, Hunter Henry's his option. Then uh, a couple other tight ends, Austin Safarian Jenkins doesn't seem, I know he's been troubled with his off-the-field issues, but once he picks up this offense, it doesn't look like there's a lot of traffic in front of him in New York. I mean, yeah, do you, do we really need to mention the names in front of him? I guess we can so people know who, he has, who he's competing against. Kellen Davis, Brandon Bostic of Packers fame and uh brayden bowman yeah brandon bostick of botched onside kick fame right if yep. i remember correctly yeah that's him that's how i remember oh that that guy we All don't right. I, I hate thinking about that yeah game let's just so let's just move on to streaming defenses eric here i think uh, the real solution if you're streaming a defense this week has got to be to pick on the cleveland browns again i know we mentioned mentioned prior and his explosiveness but i think you got to go with the washington redskins d this week only nine percent owned in yahoo leagues they're favored by well it's been a little bit less they're favored by eight points at home so not all, also not a bad survivor pick because how many times are you going to use them the rest of the season yeah uh but i mean geez the browns made things a little dicey for those miami dolphins survivor owners in week three so you yeah. might want to double check was that, that you because yep. it was me that was me <laughs> that's part of the reason we were watching that in the office as well but yeah. you know the, the recipe to beat the browns is pretty simple find a way to contain Terrell Pryor and do a, a decent job stopping the run and and then you contain the whole offense because Cody Kessler is not going to beat you on his own so I think Washington is going to be the top streaming defense option this week also a good DFS option other candidates I mean I, I hate saying Lions defense because they're pretty terrible but who knows maybe they get uh they get Ziggy Ansa back or something like that and they do go to Chicago and are going to face Brian Hoyer so that's pretty brutal also uh you know you could go after the Cowboys if they're out there they're another road team at San Francisco I mean you're looking at a Blaine I mean I would probably back off if they went to Kaepernick because I think Kaepernick's better at this time but as long as they insist on uh, on 
throwing Blaine Gabbard out there. I think the Cowboys are an option. But again, both the Lions and Cowboys are on the road here, so I would look to stream Washington if I'm streaming the defense. Um, is there a reason they're thinking about you know going from Gabbard to Kaepernick? I don't think, I don't know. That just seems to be the sports talk uh, thing of the week. You know, like, people I, want, to, want to say that. Because, uh, I mean, Gabbard's not been good. I mean, but he, it, it's not like Kaepernick has been all that great over his tenure there either. So I would think... If you go between the two, Kaepernick would be better suited to a Chip Kelly offense, and I think a lot of other, a lot of the sports talk, the talking heads out there, kind of have that same person or reasoning. But at the same time, nothing from Chip Kelly has suggested he's going to do that yet. I mean, like the Bears, I, th- I think the Forty ers season is kind of lost already. So, I mean, man, so we're targeting defenses against the Browns, Bears. And the 49ers, those are the three teams that are going to be competing in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. Is that the number one pick this year? Are we going to call that yet, or is it too early? Um, yeah, I mean, he was the top Heisman candidate coming into the season. I think he had the best odds in uh, mm-hmm. Vegas for that. But now, you know, with Lamar Jackson breaking out, you know, he's kind of taken back seat. But they do face each other this weekend. So I think mm-hmm. Deshaun Jackson or Deshaun Watson rather could uh, again stake a claim. Yeah, a good reason to tune into college football this week, checking out uh, the, that that Louisville and Clemson matchup because yeah, the winner could end up being the number one pick in the draft. And I, I mean, I guess I wouldn't mind seeing Deshaun Watson in a Chip Kelly offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, e- that could season. be that could be really really <laughs> nasty here. I mean, so so with Lamar Jackson though. I mean, yeah, but so. he he's a freshman, correct? Oh yeah, that's right. So he he won't be in the draft for a few years okay. i think he's a redshirt freshman See, actually, uh, yeah i didn't realize or something that. like that he's okay. young he's not gonna be in the draft for a few years all right we've got homework we'll look that up for next <laughs> week for you but that's gonna wrap things up for today's episode of the rotowire fantasy football podcast we'd like to thank our sponsors no halftime.com and wix.com uh, definitely remember to check out those websites also check out rotowire free for 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod that's rotowire.com slash pod once again i'm jake latarski you can give me a follow on twitter at jakeski52 and over here, it's Eric Katuri, and you can find me on Twitter at ETCAT30. The Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast will return Wednesday with Mario and John. Napa know how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa Know How. Napa Know How. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.